Welcome to the STL Soccer Report, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. All right, welcome everybody to STL Soccer Report. Uh, I'm in Dogtown, and I'm people. I'm not alone. It's been a while since I've had a guest in studio. I guess we'll call you for now. Uh, I got Spencer Hippler next to me, and and uh, we've been running into each other everywhere this year. Actually, in training camp for STLFC, and uh, obviously every game um, and every event, uh, Spencer's around, and and he's been doing a lot of just you know, getting to meet the team and stuff outside of even those events and practice. So um, welcome, Spencer. Thanks for coming tonight. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, like um, you were saying, I ran into you at the first training session, the first yeah. open one they had available, and just kind of we started talking and it seems like we're both in the same areas a lot of times, it seems like. Yeah, same areas and maybe the same level of nerding out about this team that we like to watch. <laughs> that would definitely somewhere. be true. <laughs> I think that was the first uh, the first thing that made me really want to bring you in. And um, like I said, I'm, I was glad you were willing to do it. So um, not necessarily the best episode to start with, though, Spencer. <laughs> it definitely does not start on a high note. <laughs> no, not at all. And uh, I do apologize in advance. This is going to be probably one of the more depressing, um, depressing podcasts podcast you've heard uh, for for this one um, and that's saying a lot considering our team's record for the last couple of years I was gonna say just coming off of a good win it's kind of sad one to go into but it really is it's like our first chance to be super excited about well not the first chance but man that was an exciting game but um, yeah today we're gonna focus on MLS and so let's let's jump into it actually and um, you know Spencer and I were both at the um, the event the night of the election uh, it was supposed to, well, no, I, I don't want to say it was meant to be a celebratory event because they didn't, uh, they didn't, you know, jinx themselves. It was more of a watch that. party. We yeah. watched the polls most of the night and drank thank heavily. you to the volunteers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and we did drink heavily. <laughs> oh man, there was free booze, free, three types of toasted ravioli. It was impressive spread laid out. It was. Yeah. And, uh, I was really glad that everyone I talked to that night had a beer in their hands. So I knew I wasn't overwhelming them with, with alcohol. Breath. Exactly. It, it felt good. So I think hopefully we were all on the same level, and, and I don't think I embarrassed myself. I pre-listened to these interviews, so everything went fine. Um, but let's jump into it. Um, we're gonna start. We're gonna do this show. We're gonna. I got like five interviews with different people. Uh, not the least of them are uh, Jim Cavanaugh and Bill McDermott. At the end, um, a little teaser, so you guys can kind of hang on till the end here. Um, but also, I did get one inter- uh, one email too uh, that I'm going to read. Um, it's kind of our first listener email, actually. So kind of a good night of firsts. But um, but we're going to go through these and we're going to react to each one because each person had a little something different to say, and um, we're just going to listen to them. Uh, Spencer hasn't heard these. I just kind of picked a few. And uh, we're just going to react and talk and see where the night takes us um, as far as talking about MLS in St. Louis. Um, so let's get started. This first one is um, he's a man named Adam Olzeski. He ended up being a lawyer who works with the campaign. Uh, I think we talk a little about that, but let's listen to this first clip and uh, we'll talk about it. I mean, that's the biggest thing with any campaign is doing, uh, you know, education, getting people out and all that. So. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is, is that the hardest part? And if not, what is it? Oh, without a doubt. Education is the hardest part. Yeah. I mean, always. Well, and because, you know, people assume, you know, maybe we're a super polarized country right now. People say we are, and I might think we are, but um, maybe people aren't as bad as, they, as we all think. Maybe just a little bit of education goes a long way. Yes, I would. I mean, I would agree with the education goes a long way. Or is that romantic? I'm, I am a romantic when it comes down to too. it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people. We live in a very fast. I mean, I'm going to make a lot of trite, you know, statements here. But, I mean, we live in a very fast, one-liner world, and people make assumptions based on that. And and when you actually get down and talk about the issues and talk about everything, yeah and educate people they make different maybe decisions than they would otherwise education if you can't tell this is before the the news came out that spoiler alert the the vote did not pass and so i'm talking to adam about how the campaign went and he's talking a lot about education and i think you know looking back after we do know that the that the law didn't pass and seeing what a lot of people said before and after about you know 
about why this should be voted down. And, and we're not going to be this biased the entire time, but this is one of the things that I think was negative from someone who was a pro, a supporter of Proposition 2, was that I feel like a lot of the people saw the word tax and didn't really educate themselves. And maybe we failed in educating them as well about anything further than seeing a tax when the city's having the trouble that it is having. I still had people coming up to me the day of the vote asking why aren't we using the dome right. i don't want my taxes going up Dude, well do you own a bit oh yeah do, um do you want do you own a business in the city no then you don't pay taxes on this and i think a lot of it had to do with a how quickly this vote came in like a year ago nobody was talking about mls to sdl so i think a lot of it has to do with the speed of this campaign that you didn't have enough time to properly educate everybody but yeah education was the reason this vote did not pass in my opinion yeah same here and, and maybe a, a tinge a touch of uh pr issues because yeah because you know it really did stay stagnant i talked to this uh someone else about this too about like it did stay kind of stagnant at first and i felt like people weren't really getting all the news they needed and then all of a sudden it ramped up and man i got my hopes up because it really did ramp up fast and there was a lot of buzz Taylor little too late too <laughs> yeah too little too late or maybe I guess it was still too little, even though they really did. I mean, know. they spent $1.5 million on the campaign from True. what um, I saw in the newspaper and everything. But I I don't want to say it was spent the wrong way because, again, I'm not a campaign leader. I don't know what's the best way to spend it. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like everybody we talked to, they still had questions. They didn't understand. They didn't understand why St. Louis couldn't just or why the SCSTL group could not just spend the money themselves and do it. And it has to do with property taxes and a lot more than that. But mm. I think just people were uneducated and I don't know how you educate people more except throw more money at it. But I don't even know if that would have helped the situation. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder. And I, I did want to make a note that, uh, you know, a lot of these bullet points are coming from uh, the guy you're going to hear next, which is, which is Jason Rosenbaum. He, uh, writes and, and is a figurehead for uh, a talking head rather for NPR or public radio in St. Louis. And uh, he wrote an article after, you know, going over all the points, all the things that may have caused this to fail may have in his opinion. And so another part of that uneducation was the people that were kind of mostly opposed. Now, this is a very democratic city. If you're not if you're listening and you're not from St. Louis, it's super democratic city. People thought the vote would be super low here because this is the primary already happened. And once in St. Louis, you vote a primary Democrat, the head of the Democrat Party, no one else can compete. I mean, there's not right. been a Republican in office for, gosh, decades. I, I was going to say it's been probably 20, 30 years, if not longer. Right. And so no one from SCSTL actually said this, but a lot of people assumed since people don't come out for the non-primary mayoral election that a low turnout would be in our favor because the, only the passionate are going to come out and win and, and, and vote for the win. And I don't think there was many passionate on the other side. A lot of people didn't understand it. They just didn't want the taxes. So if it, they didn't show up, they weren't making a point of it where mm -hmm. somebody like myself and some of the others wanted to show up. We came out in droves, but with the high turnout, I think it kind of screwed us because the uneducated just said, saw the word, like you said, tax and went, no, thank you. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but, you know, there's been a big push in, in the progressives in St. Louis, which the super progressives, the kind of the activists of St. Louis love themselves some Tashara Jones, who very, very publicly came out against this. Now that she didn't spend a lot of money, uh, but she did. She came out and said, vote no, this is bad for St. Louis. Um, almost pushed that uneducated opinion where we can't tax our city any more than it's already being taxed. And it didn't say where the taxes were coming from. It just said, we can't do this. Turn but, it down. But then again, like Greitin, his first thing he said was true welfare for billionaires. And what is every single person you talk to that voted no on this or everything? It's, well, we shouldn't be doing welfare, welfare for millionaires. That was every newspaper article. That was everything. So I think people took Greitin's words and just ran with it without doing the research and education on the subject that they needed. Mm -hmm. And I did talk to, uh, the you know, Adam, who we just listened to. Uh, I talked to him about that, too, because getting the education is probably one of the hardest things to do in a campaign in general, because I'm seeing all these people who are using these one liners that is just, you know, it's the p political landscape is just full of that, right? Oh, exactly. Because I'll read certain kind of news and I'm, I'm so guilty of this. I know it. And I'll complain to a friend. They'll be like, well, what about all this other stuff related to that? And I won't even know. You oh, know right. I get super embarrassed because I'm all passionate about something I don't know fully. 
And um, it's just such a battle always probably in politics. And I saw it in the soccer stadium where you're just it's so hard to get the full story out there in general. A lot of it kind of like a lot of people use it on the Internet, like just clickbait. All they need is a good headline and a one liner and people just think they know everything about it. But nobody actually ever clicks on it and reads the article. Yeah. And so I kind of got that vibe with the Tashara thing and the uneducation and and um, even if they were educated and they voted no, like a total respect that I just I just hope that the majority of the no's were not just I see taxes, I say no. That's that's all I wanted to make sure I was saying because I don't want to go off on people who said no. Um, there's plenty of reason to say no, and I don't I don't disrespect that. Um, okay, let's move on. Like I said, Jason Rosenbaum. I talked to him about his uh, coverage of of St. Louis soccer, and if you've listened to the public radio talks, a lot of them have been more negative. Uh, but not just that. Um, I wanted to make sure that I said that Jason seems to be the the one that represents the soccer community the most for the public radio in those conversations. Every time I've heard him talk or write about St. Louis in, in this stadium deal, he's always the one that's bringing up what, the things that I would argue or that he's heard soccer fans argue. So I did want to say make sure that um, I say I appreciate Jason doing such hard work because he's not a soccer guy. But he went out and made sure he got the soccer opinion. So that said, let's listen to a few of the things that Jason talked about the night of. This is, again, before the news was released. Well, it really depends on where you go. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of politically active people that express those negative arguments that you probably heard on my station. I think you also find a lot of people like yourself or anybody in this room who can argue very passionately that it makes sense. Um, You know, it really, it's not even really a geographic thing. I think it's really a philosophical thing. One thing that we saw in the presidential election last year is when you looked at the Democratic primary, a lot of Bernie Sanders people voted in South St. Louis, where probably a lot of the votes are going to be needed for this to pass. So I I think it was more of a philosophical thing than a geographical, racial, socioeconomic thing. Because I've encountered African-Americans who oppose this, African-Americans that support it, white people that support it, white people who are very much opposed to it. It's really all over the place. And I think it really just comes down to where their, their political views lie. And St. Louis is a very democratic city. So there's also gonna be kind of an activist tint to a lot of the residents here, which is why you might hear a lot of negative arguments against this. Yeah. Because as you can see from the results, it's still early, but there were a lot of no votes on this. So it was definitely a feeling that people had. Still early, I want to emphasize that. And there may be enough votes for it to go over the top. So again, before the vote, results were out. Uh, there ended up not being enough votes. Uh, but, you know, I got a little ahead of myself there. That's uh, Jason was the one talking about progressives kind of being against it and and being the ones that were, um, you know, t- siding with Tashar and, and hearing all those things. Um, a lot of mayors have been elected by targeting those progressives. And so um, that's why Tashar got so close. And um, that's another possible reason that that we got uh, that we got beaten this one, that the progressives were against this. And so um, it wasn't just that, though. Um, Spencer, you were just talking about the the wards that won. None of them won over 58 percent of the vote. You yeah, know? from what I was looking at on there, none of them. It isn't like we in certain areas just dominated. We were at 80, 90 percent. No, we were literally fighting an uphill, uphill battle in almost every ward. Mm-hmm. And it's just the people that came out weren't enough. We lost by what, 3,300? 30, yeah. 3,300, I think. Something like that, yeah. So, I mean, we, it isn't like we got blown out, but the wards that did come out, we just didn't have enough. Yeah. And so early on, I, I, I quoted this in Twitter because I was in the bathroom. I heard people talking about it who were obviously uh, numbers guys were talking about that. The the bad wards, the wards that we knew we were going to lose, they said that we weren't losing by as much as, as we thought. And this was super early on. Right. And so I heard some positive things from, coming from different people that night about that. And they you know, that was the thing they kept saying, though, that everyone was saying, not just those guys I overheard, but 
everyone was saying Central West End hasn't come in yet. Um, what is it? 16? All these... South know, City. Everybody yeah. was... Um, if you were watching the Twitter feed, the Twitter feed was going off all about the jokes about South City, how they're going to pull this through for us and everything. Yeah. And the highest percentage in South City was still only 58%. That was our highest out of all of them, if I remember correctly. I don't have the map pulled up in front of me. It was. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, we needed that to be at 75%, 60%. Yeah. Anything would have gotten us over that hump, but even the super strong areas weren't enough to do anything for all the people that voted no. Yeah, and some of the ones, you know, it was good to get that 58%, and it might have worked if some other ones, like my ward is the 28th ward, was close. And this is Lida Cruz in our next mayor's ward. Uh, we thought, I think SCSTL assumed we, they were going to win this ward, and um, I would have guessed yes, because it's the kind of people you would think would be going to soccer games. Millennials, younger. Well, and like professionals, and even some older ones, because you get DeBoliver mixed with Central West End a little bit. True. It's everyone surrounding Forest Park, and you know there's people with a decent amount of money surrounding Forest Park. That's Spendable think, income that can afford to come out to the games and thank go. You. That's much more PC than what I was about to say. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, that ward barely lost and so that was another ward that needed to handily win 55 percent or higher and so there were multiple wards that were kind of like that that just underperformed not necessarily lost but didn't perform to the level that they need to perform and so um i again i want to point back to i think it's a lot of those progressives those those people who find who just don't think that millionaires should get taxes and i think that's that's the phrase that really 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 got a lot of people but i think a lot of things Again, um, again, not a numbers guy by any means, so I don't know this. But from what I heard and some news and other stuff, like IKEA, $168 million, but that never went to a vote. No one even, I encounter people all the time that didn't even know that IKEA got money. So I think yeah. a lot of people, it kind of goes back to like um, Adam Oleski said, education. We didn't have enough educated people or enough educated voters out there that understood how the tax worked and how the wards were going to vote, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think people assumed that, like you said, the 28th ward with the expendable income and everything would have pushed higher percentages out, but didn't. Right. I agree. Well, one of the, you know, that ward that did really perform well was, I think, in no small part to the work that a man named Stuart Holkgren, I think I'm saying his last name right, um, that guy spent, you know, every evening after work is what I'm told and what I've heard. Um, canvassing and knocking on doors and that that area performed by far the best it is that ward that was 58 percent and uh, i forget what number it is but it was st louis st louis hills and so you know i saw Stuart. i was really glad i got to meet him that night um on the election night in union station and um talk to him this is after okay this is the first dose of of the feeling in the room which i don't think i expected it to be as dark as it was. I, so this was after the... Yeah, this is after the announcement. Pretty much he was the first person I talked to afterward. I was just wandering the room in shock after, you know, it happened. It was kind of sinking in. You'll hear how disappointed I was. And, and I even, you know, I even posted a few uh, emotional, like dark emo things, you know, that night. And I just had that feeling. I've always wondered what it was like to be in a room of a lost election. And I now felt you it. Know. And now, yeah, I know. I, I don't like it, Spencer. I told people that day, um, I told my boss, I told the couple people I work with, I was like, this is either going to be the best party of my life or this is going to be the worst party of my life. <sighs> Watching the election, you see the Trump party and everybody's all happy and you saw people Hillary's party literally walking out in tears. And I was like, literally, this is one of those, there's no, going to be no middle ground. There, I'm not going to walk no. out there and go, it was an okay party. Yeah. <laughs> so right. my thing, and the other hard part about this, if you weren't following this live, it Eight or when we sh I showed up at seven thirty, I think you showed up right around the same time. Mm -hmm. All the absentee ballots were in, and we were losing forty five to fifty five. And I was like, "Crap, this is." And then I was like, "Oh, absentee ballots, we're fine." The next set of um, results came rolling in, and we actually jumped up. We were down forty eight fifty two at that point, and everybody was going, "Hey, we're going in the right direction." Everybody just kept saying, "We still got the twenty eighth ward out there. We still got South City," and it kept going. Well, before you know it. Uh, hour and a half went by with no updates and everybody's like don't worry we got this we got this then all you see starting is breaking news mm. vote prop or prop two fails so i think everybody just kept thinking south city's gonna come through yeah. and it kept building and building we were closing that gap closing that gap and then you just there was no like update and then it backtracked no we were climbing we were climbing 
nothing for an hour and a half and then bang. So I think everything was unexpected. You had no precursor that this was going right. to be like this. Yeah, there was no preparation because, yeah, like you said, that was perfect setup. Everyone was starting to was feeling up. It was it was going in the right direction, even if it was minuscule. And I just couldn't believe like all of a sudden the music cut. And it was so stereotypical where it was like the music cut and then the microphone feedback. Like it's it was movie. It was like exactly like a movie would do it. And um, it, and immediately he he gave his concession speech. And, and um, I was actually I was talking to Rosenbaum right before the concession speech because he's like, they lost. They lost. He was telling me he's like looking around me, shoved a mic in my face and. And we talked about it. I said some really <laughs> like emotional things to him, too, um, which actually I heard was on NPR today. I don't know if that's true. Um, but, um, you know, that's that's what happened. And so anyway, all those things said, let's listen to what uh, what Stuart was talking about shortly after that happened. The guy that put all that legwork. Um, I can only imagine I'm I think as disappointed as I was, he had to have been hurt even more. So uh, check this out. Uh, of course, it's it's a disappointing result, but the ability that we uh, closed the gap from the poll numbers in January from, you know, 60% opposed to closing it down to 47% in favor, that's that's huge. And, and the turnout, turnout was just massive for this election, a, a lot higher than people expected. And St. Louis obviously just shows that they, they aren't interested in progressing as a city, and that's disappointing, but I, I understand the opposition on this, but I, I disagree with how they are coming about it. Yeah, and you live in the city, right? Yeah, I live in the 24th Ward. Yeah, uh, and I'm in the 28th right next to you. Um, does this change how you feel about the city? Is it, is it still like your beloved city? You're going to stick here to the end. I, I still love the city. I still love the Cardinals. I still love the Blues. I mean, it's just disappointing, especially with the Cardinals, seeing uh, people who are opposed to this, who who post pictures and, and tweet from, you know, Bush Stadium and Ballpark Village, yeah. both of which were partially publicly funded, and they come out against a soccer stadium, which would do a lot for this area. And uh, it, it's just, honestly, it's disappointing, but I, I still love St. Louis. I still believe in St. Louis. I think St. Louis is, is turning corner and will power ahead. I'm not looking forward to that remaining, uh, that spot of land remaining desolate for the next yeah. 30, 40 years. But, you know, when the next project comes along and they want public funds and they get it, we'll all just kind of shake our head on that. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, Prop 1 passed, so maybe that's a good side. Maybe we can get the Metrolink in there and help a lot of people in the city for sure. With, with that so I mean maybe there's some positive there oh absolutely prop one I was highly in favor of prop one and yeah. if there's anything this election shows us it's that the city county divide is just something that needs to be fixed we need a city county merger and we need it soon otherwise we're going to fall behind as a city and continue falling behind and you know, Oklahoma Louisville Kansas City Omaha, those cities are right behind us and they will pass us. City County merger. Um, lot to say on this one. Uh, Spencer, maybe I'll, I'll let you take it from here. Um, I've always said, again, um, I don't claim to have lived here my whole life. Um, funny enough, we were just talking about it. I was born and raised in Chicago, past eight years, I've been in Florida, I've lived here two years now. But that was always kind of the weird thing when I moved here was how big of divide there is between county and city. And I think this was my first full taste of how that can come back to bite you. You go to places like Charlotte, North Carolina, Tulsa, all these cities that used to be St. Louis's little brother, mm -hmm. Kansas City. Now you go there and St. Louis looks like the little brother because of this whole county city thing that keeps I don't pardon like screwing over St. Louis mm -hmm. because they don't have the money or the resources or everyone goes, let's put it out in the county. MLS doesn't want in the county. That kind of goes back to the education part. But I mean, until they merge together, I think St. Louis is always going to be the last one on the train, just trying to catch up to all these other cities that used, they used to be such far ahead of. Yeah. And, and we're almost like treading water. St. Louis, the city has nothing to do with soccer perhaps, but 
we're just treading water on that profile, right? We still have somewhat of that high profile from maybe freaking 1904 or, you know, the 60s when we built the arch. And and it's dying, people. And this is like almost one of those 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 marks in our history that's going to really be people will be able to look back. If, if we never recover, let's say we never do a merger, people are going to look back at the soccer stadium and the NFL stadium before that. And they're going to point to those things and be like, man, if, how do we not know St. Louis was on the decline at this point? Or how do we not know St. Louis was done, you know, at this point? And, and if we don't recover, that's what that's what these two events are going to look like to, to people. I don't know how well it was planned out. Again, I didn't save it or anything, but I want to say it was Riverfront Times. I, they didn't give us the best light um, for the soccer stuff, but they released an article today of the top 20 companies that have left St. Louis in the mm. t- past 20 years. And you look at them and they're big, huge companies. And yes, some of them went bankrupt. Some of them got bought out. But there was a lot on there where they just had decided to pick up and move their whole entire operation to Chicago or to Kansas City or to Tulsa or I think one of them went to Indianapolis. But it's one of those like, why did they leave? And it's again, I don't know if it was planned that the two days after the vote came out this way. But kind of like you said, at what point does the city and county have to merge before St. Louis is literally starts drowning you go back to your analogy of treading water Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's around the corner unless we make a change and i i really think people in our age group at least um i've heard nothing but positive things about the city county merger anything negative i hear is stuff like this stuff like um well it'll never happen because of the politicians or it'll never happen because of the rich people um, and I, I truly think if it doesn't happen, it will be because of those two groups. Um, and there's, I'm sure there's more to that. I, I'm, I'm, I don't have a very, you know, wide view, I think in this, cause I'm so incredibly biased about it, but, <laughs> um, but that's something we need to be continuing to talk about. And, um, I hope everyone, um, looks up and, and follows St. Louis strong because they're one of the, the foremost groups, you know, trying to make this happen. Um, and I'm just afraid at what point have we gone too far before county didn't or the city didn't want to merge with county because the county was in such bad repair that the city didn't want to give them any money. At what point does it become where the si- the city is a liability to the county where they just won't do it because they are in yeah. such disrepair? And I'm afraid as longer as it goes on, it's going to keep getting worse and worse. And why does the county want to take on that crime rate or why does that county want to take on all that debt? So I'm afraid if it doesn't happen soon, it could be catastrophic. I think that's a perfect segue because I'm about, you know, the next person up here is Bill McDermott. I caught up with him at the end of the night and uh, he mentions exactly that. So listen to me and Bill McDermott. Though we just heard the news. How does this strike you so far? Well, as Jimmy Paul so accurately stated, uh, disappointing, Uh, bitterly disappointing. Uh, But we're in a democracy for one reason, one reason only for things like this to take place so people can vote and people have their say. Indeed they did. And and really, what's more democratic than a popular vote? I mean, the city really... I don't know of one. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I don't know. I I mean, that that is the overall, that's the end-all scenario when you have a vote that let, let the people vote. That doesn't mean we have to accept it and be happy about it, which I'm not. No. But that uh, my feelings are not going to change the end result. Yeah, same here. I think I need to sleep this off. Mm-hmm. Like, but where do we go from here? When we wake up in the morning after sleeping this off, where uh, do we go? Well, you go to St. Louis FC games. Oh, yeah, just, we do. Just give it all you got. Yeah. I mean, just give it all you got. Because I'm telling you, there there isn't. Everybody comes to me, oh, but of course there's a plan B. No, of course there isn't. Yeah. There is no plan B. And Paul and Jim made that abundantly clear from the very outset. So there is indeed no plan B. Yeah, and they clarified it today. I mean, I think it summed it up when Paul said, I hope someone brings soccer to St. Louis, MLS soccer to St. Louis. Well, and that... That could be that could be a scenario way down the road, but I doubt it because I don't At think best, there, right? there's not going to be another group that's 150 million dollars. As Jim has recounted so many times, that's 150 million dollars now for an expansion team. No telling in two or three years. But 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 anyway, in two or three years, uh, teams 27 and 28 might be picked, and then that's it. Right. 
Well, and at that point, then we're trying to steal someone from another city, which we've experienced ourselves on the mm -hmm. losing side. Mm -hmm. And then how much will it cost? These are all things like it goes up exponentially from here if this is the growing sport that we think it is. It, it is indeed the growing sport, and it is indeed only, only going to go up. Everything. Expansion fee, the cost of the stadium, uh, the cost to get big, uh, better players, the, the DPs, the designated players, uh, everything. Like everything else in life, every other goods, every other service, it's going to continue to go up. And to such an extent that it might indeed be prohibitive. Yeah. Well, you've been a resident, um, you know, St. Louis till we die. You know, mm -hmm. you and me both. You've been here a lot longer than me. Where? What do we do from here? What does the city do? Is this is this city fine? What are we doing? Uh, I. In, in many ways, the city is not fine. In many ways, it is. Uh, but one thing I do indeed think, uh, this city county. Fisher, which seems to be a, 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 literally a fissure between the two. Uh, perhaps this is a harbinger of things that maybe, maybe something good can come out of it, or perhaps worse yet, maybe some other decisions that are even much more detrimental to the area could happen because of this perceived, no, excuse me, not perceived, this actual divide. I hope that's not the case, but this could be a prime mover for other things not happening. Perhaps words of warning that I uh, don't disagree with. Thank you very much, Bill. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thank you. Words of warning, words of caution for sure. And, um, well, you know, what's what's the way to get soccer after this if this doesn't work out? Um, we were just talking about it off the mic. Um, if this doesn't work out, who's our owners and how do we get the damn team? It's It's... Stealing a team from another city if we don't make this next four. Um, so, you know, what is it going to cost? Bill made very good points about that. Price is going to keep going up and up and up and up. Owners want in this. Yes, they want some public money. Uh, and we're going to hear about that from Jim Cavanaugh in a second. But yes, they want public money. But they're getting in this not to make a profit on a day-to-day -day basis, on a year-to-year -year basis. Um, ownership argues that they won't make money for 10 years completely. You know, that's everything. Stadium naming deal, you know, selling merch, selling food, selling beer. So, um, you know, all these things combined, they're still not going to make money. They make money on what it's worth. And so say we have to lure a team from Colorado or Columbus, if Cincinnati makes it in or, you know, rail salt Lake, like some team at some point is going to blow it and they're going to screw up. They're going to spend too much money or the ownership's going to give up because they keep losing hello Rams. Um, so, you know, something's going to happen and we might be able to get them then, but who's our ownership Right. I was and, and how much is that team worth at that point? You mentioned TV deals, MLS is for losing money right now. Then if they're right, these values are going to go up and that's where they make their money is the value goes up, up, up. They can loan money on that and then they can sell their team for a huge profit, ideally for these people in the future. So, oh, right. Columbus crew, you might have to pay right now um, to get into MLS. What you're looking at 500 mil between the expansion fee and the stadium and everything. But then for all you know, it could be $1 billion and stuff. Cause then you get into NBA type money and stuff because they have TV deals. If MLS gets a new TV deal, they're on ESPN, more games on Fox, blah, blah, blah. Then you, like you said, a, who is the ownership group? Cause I guarantee you Cavs doesn't have that kind of money to just shell out for this. Right. I, and that could be five years down the road. Who knows if Paul Edgley still wants to be in soccer, <laughs> if he hasn't had another team and stuff. So I think there's a lot of unknowns in that department about buying another team or another team having to fold and come here. Yeah. But well, and, and how many DPs is MLS oh, going right, to have yeah. by then? Right <laughs> Think about how much Tam and Gam we're going to have to make we up might for have from pro scratch. We might have promotion relegation by that point. <laughs> Get out of here with that. We're not even going to start. Not even going to start. Uh, but let's, let's move on. This is the last person that we heard from that night. Inappropriately, it's Jim Cavanaugh. And, um, you know, I don't, I was about to talk about how great he is, but I kind of say it in the interview, um, super biased again, but, um, listen to this interview with Jim Cavanaugh at the end of the night after we heard the news. I'm with Jim Cavanaugh. Uh, we just heard the news. You guys just talked about it a little bit. Uh, can you give me just a little summary of what you just said to everybody? Uh, just disappointed on one hand, obviously we didn't, uh, 
accomplish what we set out to accomplish, but also inspired on the other hand. Uh, I can't thank, you know, the people that were all involved with this initiative, this campaign. They worked their tails off to get us to where we are today. Uh, very impressed. The teamwork, the the effort was just over the top good, and uh, and just I was just inspired by it to come out and and generate 27,000 votes. Uh, was very impressive. I would have thought that would have won, and I think all of our analysts would have expected the same. There was just a bigger turnout, and uh, it didn't end up driving a result that we expected. Yeah, maybe the most passionate April vote we've seen in St. Louis in a long time. Yeah, unfortunate bad timing. Yeah. Uh, don't know what to say. Yeah. Well, um, I know personally this is super biased, but seeing you as part of this ownership group made me uh, gave me a lot of confidence in this group. And uh, part of that is because I cover St. Louis FC, a USL team who you're the owner of. And um, honestly, from the beginning, you've said this is – this is about St. Louis getting the next level of soccer, and that's kind of what you started as, as a nonprofit, no yep. less. And um, we're not a team that is MLS or die. We are a team that is let's let's do what we can for St. Louis soccer. And can you talk to me about that? I'm, I'm going to say that I'm a huge fan of you for that reason. We're yep. not San Antonio. We're not Phoenix. We're not MLS yep. or die. And tell me a little more about that. Well. Uh, I mean, we're going to continue. I'm going to continue to do everything that I've been doing. And, uh, you know, that's investing back in the, the, the St. Louis Scott Gallagher Club and all the, the relationships with the other clubs that we have. St. Louis FC, all the academy programs. Uh, as far as an MLS team bringing it here, I, I, I don't have, you know, there's not a you know, a plan A, plan B that, that, that we have here. This was our, you know, our plan B that we had. Uh, so we're going to continue to do what we can to advance soccer here in St. Louis to positively impact the community. Uh, there's going to be no change there, but I'm just not sure it's going to be with an MLS team. I just want to ask one hard question. I seriously mean absolutely no disrespect. Sure. Thanks. The Thanks. only thing I want to ask that's hard is, is there any way or do you wish, like say 20 years from now, 30 years from now, St. Louis still has no MLS team. Do you wish we could have convinced these these investors and owners or maybe more investors to put more money in that, that we could have passed this without any tax money? Is that anything that might bother you in the future? Uh, you know, you, 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 you never know, but the, the investor group here has been very, very generous and very forward-thinking in regards to, to the dollars that have been invested and the model that we had in place. So I have the utmost respect for uh, the overall investor group that we had and the partners that I was working with here. And we continued to push to put more and more money into this, and, and we felt it needed to be so there needed to be some demonstration that you know the community are are there, there was a public interest in investing so uh, uh thanks Jared. uh so uh that's where we felt part of this was was there also uh so Jim, thanks yeah for everything you do. no no thank you appreciate it you need to go on i'm yeah. thank you so much yeah, for your right. time and no. for everything sir no thank you thank you yeah, appreciate you doing all right, I've been trying to get better about asking the hard questions, and that's the one that's been wrecking my mind this whole time, is if we lose, what else could have been done to do this right? You know, should the investors have put more money in? Should we have figured out a way for the county and, and you know, the whole region? You know, let's say even Illinois, St. Charles, Jeffco, like everyone around us, maybe everyone could have put money into this. And so I just I had to find a way to... To ask uh, Kevin all that, um, and like I said, I, I meant no disrespect in any way because he's very worthy of lots of respect. Um, you know, if we were to, you know, say nothing happens and we never get a stadium again, or even if we do and, and Kavanaugh's not involved, that's to me probably one of the saddest things about that is that, you know, we may lose Kavanaugh as an owner in this situation. I don't think... We will ever lose Kavanaugh. I think he is very committed to St. Louis, and that was one of the reasons I loved him as uh, part of this ownership group. But I do think we missed our chance with Cavs' ownership group that he had put together. I do too. And so 
Let's talk plan B. A few people have mentioned it already in the podcast. Plan B, I'm going to go ahead and say ever since the night that we were there and, and it got turned down, I've been just like, this is it. I, I really still feel like there's no plan B. I think people might be exploring it, you know, like, hey, what if this? What if that? And I think that may be the tweets that we're seeing from random people. Um, Did you see Mayor Slay's tweet today? No, I mean, let's I talk think, about it. I don't think he that? helped anybody. Let me see if I can pull no. it up. Um, long story short, from what it said, from what I remember was is this MLS soccer is not dead in St. Louis, um, which, again, I think a lot of people read it as one of two ways. A, that there's still the future in 10 years, like we talked about, we might get a folded team or mm-hmm. something like that. Or people think there's a plan B. Um, now there's even a GoFundMe page, which I think is stupid. I mean, if that's plan B, oh, we have a lot more issues than that. <laughs> I don't think it's stupid. Um, I think it's cool and whimsical. And if you get into it and read it, even if this doesn't all go through, yeah. they're going to donate the money to a local soccer charity, which is kind of cool, I guess. Or, you know, like a Nigerian prince, I think, wants that money too. Exactly. Yeah, so that may happen. But, um, you know, plan B. I, I'm going to go ahead and say I don't think it's happening. I think this ownership is just burned out. You could tell my favorite moment. If there's one moment in all this public nonsense of, of soccer talk in MLS and St. Louis, my favorite moment is that moment when Ortiz well, from post dispatch was asking Jim or no, he wasn't asking Kevin. I was asking Edgerly um, about, you know, I forget what it was exactly. Where is this money going to come from? And he wanted Edgerly to answer the question. He wouldn't let Kavanaugh answer until finally Kavanaugh answered it. He's like frustrated. Kavanaugh's angry. He's like, do you understand that? No tax money. Do you understand? He asked him a couple times. He got worked up. I saw that and I just saw all the frustration of a guy trying to bring soccer to St. Louis and just being destroyed people spitting in his face over it thinking that he's a horrible person welfare for millionaires and i think that takes a toll on you yes and it would me i'd I'd be dying and i think there's no way for a plan b i always said from the beginning that you could never say there was a plan b because if it ever got out that there was a plan b that people would look at you and go if there's a backup plan we're not funding this (laughs) Yeah. yeah which even now that the votes failed, if they go, hey, we found $60 million in a duffel bag laying out back, A, a lot of this comes down to property tax. Property tax on a $250 million stadium is astronomical. Mm. If the city owns the stadium, they don't have to pay that tax. So I think it's all about mitigating risk. But any way a plan B comes out now is kind of seems super sketchy. Like, if you've had this 60 mil the whole time, yeah. why did you ever ask us for money? And I think... To be honest, I'll play devil's advocate. Would you want to have a stadium built here knowing that the city just kind of spit in your face and said, we don't want soccer? That's that's a really good point. That's a really good point. And, you know, we got soccer that's doing pretty well out in Fenton. Uh, you know, we just had over 5,000 people there on last Saturday night for a really great game. Um, so, you know, if you've got something good going and then you got a city spitting in your face, why? Oh, right. Um, Matthew Bird... Um, who does the other podcast, The Cecilia with the St. Luligans, said something to me that kind of resonated with me a little bit right after the election. I went outside to smoke a cigarette, and he was um, standing out there with a couple of people, and he said, we lost nothing. And it, I kind of laughed. I was like, what do you mean we lost nothing? And it took me a minute to realize it, but we, like you said, Saturday, we still had 5,500 people. This weekend, I'm hoping to have more. 5,500 people um, out there partying with my friends, having a good time watching soccer. It isn't like... We didn't have soccer, and now we're still not going to have soccer? No, we still have soccer. So I think that's a lot to do with it of we didn't lose anything per se. I mean, you lost your hopes and dreams that's built up. But kind of like Cavs, though, he can go back to his USL where people love him and everything. Why would you want to keep fighting for a city that said, we don't want you here? Yeah, I mean, the guy's got a multi-billion dollar business, you know, like he doesn't need soccer. It's honestly, that's part of why I love him as an owner, because he doesn't need this and he still chooses to. And, you know, among so many other things, you know, that USL team is nonprofit, which some people say silly because no USL team makes money. But the point is, he never came into this wanting money. It was never his agenda. He's probably with um, owners who are putting so much money in that who are also businessmen who needs some kind of profit in the future. And so, you know, you got to do 
what's best for city, but you also got to do what's what's best for everyone who's putting up all the money. And there's a cost to that. And so I guess that's also part of what we're trying to mitigate. mitigate. And any plan B that comes out of it is, yeah, it's either going to look bad. It may not be desired by the ownership. Anything else we can think of about a plan B? Like, what if it's the wrong guy? You know, what if we don't want that owner to join in? Oh, right. And I don't think they'd ever go with another investor dilutes their shares too much and that's what they've I, yeah, always I said they've from made the beginning. that clear yeah every time they when the foundry um came to be and it was brought up to them about why don't you let the foundry front the other 60 kavanaugh blatantly came out and said it doesn't make financial sense yeah it diluted shares right so you know i think plan b the only way i think i would be all right with for it is you know maybe pulling Pulling some money from Prop One, if if someone wants to commit political suicide by doing that, um, and then maybe maybe you know, Stinger and Lida are being rumored to being closer than obviously Slay and Stinger, who as far as everybody knows hate each other. Um, so maybe those two are willing to work together a little more. Maybe Stinger is willing to put a certain amount of money in if if there's some kind of return, which is maybe the other problem. You know, I talked to Mitch about it today from This is Silly Luligans, and that's one thing he said is why would the county put money in if they're not getting anything back? And oh, that's right. a really good point. And a lot of people even mentioned it in Twitter. Why don't you just move it to the county? The county would approve this in a minute. And I think that's the city's biggest problem is the city sees it as we're paying for something mm-hmm. for county people to come downtown and then just drive home. Yeah. And it's true. And that goes all the way back to our whole, we need a county city exactly. combination or which I don't understand why they didn't do this when the ballpark or not ballpark village Bush stadium, mm-hmm. it was a city county sports board yeah. that was put together. I don't know why this wasn't put in front of the board. I'm not smart enough on po- uh, politics to understand why, but I think that could have been an option. Well, you know what? I, my alderman Scott, or my old alderman Scott Ogilvie, um, who I had on the last op- episode. Great if you haven't episode. listened to that, great episode. Thank you. I thought it went really well, and, and most of that is because Scott is so well spoken. Um, but he said a long time ago, I'm talking three, four months ago, people. He was like, "Listen, you know, I brought, of course, I brought up city county merger because I pushed it too hard." But he immediately was like, "Okay, I'm going to dismiss that because I'm a politician, and all of them do, uh, probably rightly so." We'll talk about it another time, probably. But he was like, listen, this is something that could happen now. The county can get involved if the state makes a decision. It's it's on the state level. Correct. To create this this commission, this this regional commission that is there just to fund something. And they all maybe share the profits or or they agree that just having something in a certain area is good Helps enough. Helps the whole. Yes. It's better for the whole on that. That's how we have such beautiful museums and such a beautiful zoo which we all pay taxes for. Oh, exactly. You can look at it on your tax stub. It's a hell of a lot of money. Oh, yes. If you're not a, you know, if you're not a seasoned member of the zoo and giving them Love money. Love the zoo. It was rated number one in the country, I think, last week. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, we finally beat out San Diego, I think. But, um, you know, if you're not buying your membership because you think that's expensive, go look at how much you gave them anyway with your taxes. It's quite a bit of money usually, uh, probably depending on how much you make. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, we're paying for these things already and they are just a linchpin of this city. It is, it's something we need to keep people coming in. It's something we need for people to be going to the city in general. And and I think the County benefits from that. So um, we could have done something like that with sports and we should have, and and that's something we could have done without the political clout it would take to hold a merger of the city and the County. And so if we don't get a city County merger, I think that's something that people need to talk about more which is starting some kind of a commission like that. And that would involve, you know, calling our state uh, representatives and senators. So uh, just something to be thinking about and talking about with your friends. If you haven't mentioned it or no one else has mentioned it, that's something to bring up. Um, Last thing we want to do today, um, I asked everyone to send in questions and most of the time people don't, but uh, John Delvecchio actually sent something and I think it really sums up um, two, he makes two good points that really sum up how people are feeling right now. And so whether you agree with it or not, I think this is a perfect representation of what some people feel right now. I'll read the first paragraph and then we'll, I'll read the last one. Um, first one says, as much as I would love to see MLS in St. Louis, I think the public funding is a bad direction to go in. I also feel that quote, the time is now MLS won't come back if we mess this up and quote, 
that approach isn't a great approach to take because it comes off as saying um, as you're trying to scare the public into paying for a stadium as a scare tactic. Maybe try an approach, he says, that says something around the lines of, quote, we're trying to grow this beautiful sport and we want your help, end quote. If public funding is the deal breaker, then we really don't deserve MLS as much as I hoped. Yeah, go for it. I All right. So I read a bunch of articles um, that came out. Um, a friend of mine named Jason Yergler, good friend from Florida. I don't know why, but he would always, every time I posted something, he'd always send me a couple articles about how public funding in stadiums is bad. And I read almost every single one of them he sent me. And in every single example, they talked about a $700 million soccer or a football stadium, excuse me, which $700 million over 30 years is a lot more expensive to pay back than a $60 million over 30 years like um, SCSTL agreed to sign a lease for and keep up the building and everything. So I think a lot of people thought, saw articles like that and didn't think public money was needed, but public money makes this world go round. Ikea, Ballpark Village Phase 2, Scott Trade, Bush Stadium, Let's be honest. It's politics. There's money exchanging hands somewhere. Somebody's getting tax breaks. Someone's getting bonds and stuff. Excuse me. So I think a lot of people saw those articles that kind of like you said, it's all one-liners and everything and saw uh, red lights flashing saying no, no, no. But unless you actually read it and looked at what the subjects were done, I mean, even the Wash U uh, financial professor said that this was a good fiscal responsible investment for st louis because the money wasn't asking for 700 million but people still don't believe that stuff so right and the the forbes article saying you know this is a sports economic analyst guy that deals with this sort of thing yeah he's from st louis but he teaches in new york or rather he teaches here but he lives in new york after he lived in st louis for 20 years and he only deals with sports economics and, and deals like this and he said it was one of the best he'd seen if not the best I was a little weary of that only because I know there are some fully privately funded stadiums oh, exactly. out there, but that's, you know, different expansion fees. And so I do want to have that discussion. And I would have loved to have that discussion with people who thought that this was a, a tax on everyone who lives here and, you know, that sort of thing. I think that discussion might have been a more worthy discussion than just declaring that I'm not going to pay any taxes to a millionaire and calling it the end of the day. Um, again, I, I don't disrespect those thoughts in any way because... There are certain ways that that that, that is true, but um, I would have liked to have those conversations a little bit more. But let's finish up with his last paragraph here. Uh, John Delvecchio again, he says, also, I don't want to see Cronky is right anywhere on social media. John, neither do I, because it's plain wrong. He says he poisoned the well here and had every intention of doing so on his way out. You can't blame voters one bit for thinking of Stan when voting considering Dave Peacock spent millions of dollars on the plan to keep them. Um, I think that's a good thing to sign off on and talk about because how much did that kill us? I would say a hell of a lot. It killed us. I don't, again, I know how you have felt towards um, the foundry. I think the, I think it was a perfect storm between the foundry, Cronky, the Rams, Dave Peacock, just literally every single word that was involved with this had bad connotations in people's minds or that somehow messed up um kind of going back one paragraph to where he said about the scare tactic of mls this is now kind of was this is now because we talked about expansion fees then people were afraid of the whole cronky deal of how cronky kind of screwed st louis and i think a lot of people think that Ooh, public funding. Oh, this must be like cranky, even though mm-hmm. anybody that's ever associated with knows, talk to anything about this ownership group knows it's the exact opposite. So I think cranky's name got thrown around a lot, but cranky, I think, screwed a lot of us because or screwed all this up because of how he went about doing his business here and gave public funding a bad name. Yeah, 100%. And it really fits in with that narrative of, of the one-liner thing really working. And because, you know, if you're going to hear, if you if we just had, if we just got burned on, on, on a cronky situation and then you hear taxes, millionaires again, what else are you supposed to think? I mean, oh, it's, right. Exactly. It's almost like it's, it's burned into our heads, like, you know, a, a response, a behavioral response. 
um, to automatically just say no, you know, at that point, or, you know, the guy that just got burned by a girl cheating on him. And, and then someone else is saying things like, you know, I don't know. Um, that's a bad example, but I think you get the point oh, where right. we got burned and now we've sworn off women completely, you know? And I so, think two years ago when I first moved here, if this exact ownership group and everything could have came in the MLS happened to line up before Cranky screwed St. Louis, I think this would have passed, I don't know, 100%, but 60-40 in our favor. But because people had this horrible connotation, this horrible taste in their mouth when anytime anybody saw the words millionaire and welfare for millionaires, they literally wanted to throw up in their mouth thinking of, I burned my Rams jersey that day when that asshole took the team and left. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, and uh, you mentioned you didn't know um, how I felt about Foundry. Um, I did post a an apology thing on my blog. And so if you haven't read that, go to STL Soccer Report. Um, but no, I think that was part of this scorched ground. And and uh, I don't want to thank Mitch for mentioning that today on Twitter, um, but he's right. I mean, I, I, I had my, I played my part in this and I definitely do regret um, the negativity that came out of it. And so I do want to I don't want to shy away from that. I want to make sure people know that on your I, behalf, I, though, I think it would have came out whether it was through you or through Riverfront Times, because apparently they were not on our side through any of this. I think yeah, it would have point. came out. Somehow, I think you were just the most eager one that wanted to report on this. Oh, so yeah. I don't want to say you were a scapegoat, but you were kind of the easiest one to go. Let's leak it to this guy. He'll post it out there. Yeah, and it, it definitely was true. And and I also and, and that was totally motivated by that cronky feeling. And oh, so exactly. while we're talking about it, that's what I was scared of is I saw the millionaires, I saw the people asking for public money. And then I saw Foundry who said they didn't want any public money. I live in this city. I jumped on that blindly people. And so I want they to make sure that on the that scare was factor. It. Yeah. They played on people's fear of the cronky and knew that if they said private money, people would follow them. Like you said, blindly without totally. knowing the facts because they were so Kind of like you said, they had a bad break, bad breakup, and they swore off woman. Yeah. So I think that was an easy jump for a lot of people. Yeah. And so you know the biggest problem with that is okay if you're gonna you know if I'm gonna release this this letter from Foundry, ask the hard questions. And so that's something unfortunately I had to learn the hard way. And but it's um, made you a better man for it, I think. I hope and so. now <laughs> it's helped progress your I don't know if you want to call this a career but it's made you a better journalist I'd say it's made me better 100% it's my motivation to never F it up again because that (laughs) that was a bad one I'll never forget you you gotta F it up one time to know that you F'd it up though well yeah and you gotta F it up to be scared not to F it up again Uh, exactly I'm I'm frightened out of my britches about it so Um, I'm glad we got to talk about that. I haven't gotten to talk about it. It's hard to talk to yourself about that sort of thing. Oh, right. So, so thanks for being here, Spencer. Um, no problem. Hopefully you can join me again. Yeah, definitely. It. Perfect. I think we're a lot better together than apart. So, um, all right. Thanks for listening. If you made it this far and, um, really sad day for St. Louis, but we have to, have to, have to finish with, uh, supporting St. Louis FC. Like Matt Bird said, um, we haven't lost anything. Okay. Yeah. We didn't gain anything, but we haven't lost our USL team. We haven't lost the excitement that is game day. We haven't lost this team that is so much fun to watch. Saturday night was so much fun oh, to best watch. Best time I've had in oh, a long time. It, it was the most fun I've had at a game and I always have so much fun, but just that on field precision was the last thing missing. And so if they can keep this up, if they can, it's keep... a fun style to watch. Oh, last yeah. year was boring. Um, again, I love the team last year. Um, I, when I come on next time, we can get a little bit more into St. Louis Definitely. FC and um, the connections I've made there. But that was just a fun game to watch, front to back, start to finish. I A lot of times I'll go smoke a cigarette in the 30th minute because it's just a lot of back passing. This game, I was glued <laughs> to my seat, well, standing in my seat the whole entire match. It was just a great, phenomenal game. Yeah, and honestly, I would have been so disappointed because we looked so good and it would have hurt to lose that game or even draw that game. It would have hurt really badly because we looked so good. And honestly, I didn't think Ottawa looked that good. They're just a big boys, but I didn't yeah. think they looked skillfully better I hope, than us. You know what? We're going we're gonna to talk about that again in our next podcast. So maybe we'll do one early on Monday and we'll talk a little bit about Ottawa because I got some good clips from Precky in, okay. the, in the post game being a little I was snobby there for about that. it. I liked it. Oh, it was good. Uh, so we'll talk about that. But honestly, if we had drawn or lost that game, 
it was still the most exciting soccer I'd seen, including the Louisville game last week. It was, okay. was not good either, but but this one was very good. So Again, hope to see everybody out on Saturday when we take on Baby Red Bulls, New York Red Bulls 2. Mm-hmm. It's 7.30 at Worldwide, or Toyota Park at Worldwide Technologies. The guys at BGN at the network were joking about the other names. I think I liked another one was like the Sugar-Free Red Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> the Baby Toros. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, the champs from last year, they just lost 1-0 to zero to Harrisburg. I saw watched that last night i was hoping they got ran a little Ooh, ragged and yeah i hope so too and so maybe we can uh pull one over them over the champs at home uh with this great crowd this great environment we got going. i got one question before we sign off yeah do you think the vote will affect the turnout the rest of the season i'm so glad you said that i don't know i hope not i would be so disappointed if it did i'm gonna say no because honestly the people that love mls that don't like usl those, you know, they the weren't people. coming out anyways. Yeah. yeah, they're the people, in my opinion, um, I don't care if they come out. And honestly, if we did get MLS, that's one of the downsides is we get all these soccer stuff. I've been saying, there since the beginning. I don't remember seeing you. No. I, again, I wasn't around in the beginning, but... I, I do totally look forward understand. to rubbing it in their faces, but I also don't want the guys that want some crazy European DP to be happy for, with this team. So oh, correct. That's the kind of thing I don't look forward to. We're not to. Phoenix. Thank you. Thank God, right? They're not looking good. All right. We're going to go on and on if we open another uh, question here. So thank you again for listening. Thanks again to Spencer for joining me. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you soon, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the STL Soccer Report, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, BGN.FM, and STLSoccerReport.com. If you have any questions you'd like read on air, please send them to STLSoccerReport at gmail.com. Thank you for geeking with me.